Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Coming up, I'll be talking about Putchin, my favorite TV show from the 90s. But first, how are you getting on? Hope you're keeping well. Just realized this week, well actually no, I realized a long time ago that I'm not a morning person. I just can't for the life of me change my life around and become a morning person. It's so hard to get out of the fucking bed in the morning. And every night at around 11 o'clock I say to myself, okay, put the phone down, don't be doing anything else. Stay away from the laptop, don't be watching anything late at night thinking that it's going to be juicy because it won't be juicy. Don't be talking to people on Facebook. Leave down the technology. Get into bed and just sit there in your own thoughts, will you? Do it for your mother and father, will you? But then come 12 o'clock, I just think to myself, I just have one more look there now online. And I go on something, could be Reddit or YouTube or could be anything. And before I know it, it's half three in the morning and I'm like, I probably should go to bed, but I'll check one more article about Dana White or the UFC or just... Crap. If you were to look at my browser history from 12 at night till 3 or 4 in the morning, it would be just crap. Absolute crap. Articles that don't help me in life. Videos that will get me nowhere. And yet, I fall for the same trap every goddamn fucking night. Morning time comes around then, I'm like, oh God, can't get out of the bed. You'd swear now that I had to go to war. Just get out of the bed, will you? Just get up. Stop playing around. You only live one life. I'm staying in bed till half nine or ten. You know what? The reason why I'm saying it here today is because I want to get it out there. I want to change people's perception of me. I want to become a morning boy. I want to be up and about at six o'clock, walking around the village, waving at people, saying hello, driving, talking, making deals. Cutting ribbons, putting on suits. That's the kind of stuff I want to be doing in the morning, so no more bed for me. Tonight, tomorrow morning, I should say. I'm going to get up half six. When I get up at half six, I'm going to set the alarm. It's going to go off. I'm going to set three or four alarms, actually. They're all going to go off, and I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a coffee, going to go for a run. My day is going to be started. Before even eight o'clock comes around, I'm going to have most of the things done. That's the way it's going to be, because I'm sick of the bed. As Naz once said, sleep is the cousin of death. By the way, I just want to say happy St. Patrick's Day. I know it was yesterday, but I don't know if you got up too much. Today is National Jambon Day, and uh, I wanted to talk a small bit about jambons, which is a beautiful piece of Irish cuisine. If you're not familiar with the jambon, it's a ham and cheese pastry that you can buy in delis. It comes hot, but it also comes in very variants, different variations is what I'm trying to fucking say. I can't talk. Um, The first time I ever had a jambon was in my local garage and I'd been having a bad day. And because my partner had just, how do I say this? She left me. And so I'd gone into town to to do a bit of shopping and to have a bit of a pick-me-up, you know? Something to get the mood up and I was going to drown my sorrows in a couple of pastries that were in the deli or 
something along those lines. Got in there, first thing I was hit with was the smell, and I wondered what they were. They come in a very perfect square, if you haven't seen them, and they kind of fold. There's like different folds, and in the middle then is the ham and cheese. And depending on the place you go to or the company that sell them, you get different kinds of ham. And normally it's cheddar cheese, but and normally the ham is the same too. But they do come in different flavors and different tastes, you know, and different variations. Anyways, let me get down to this before I fucking lose my breath here. I was in there anyways, and getting my regular run of the mill, sausage rolls, hash browns, chicken fillet in a roll, and wedges. So I ordered all that. And then I said, what, what, what's that thing there? And the lady in question said, oh, they're jambons. We got them imported in from France. And I was like, wow, okay. What are they like? Yeah, they're very good. Okay, I'll take 10. Right, do you want them all in the one bag? Yes, quick. So she put them all into one bag, got up to the counter. It cost me, at the time, they were only charging one euro 10. That's what they do with addictions. They give it to you cheap at the beginning. And then once you're fully addicted, that's when they catch you. Now it's 2.20 for a jam and 2.50 I've paid for them. And are they worth it at that price? I don't think they are. That's my revelation of the day. I do not think they're worth the 2.40 or the 2.50 price tag. Keep them below the two and you've got a customer for life in me. Anyways, this particular day, I bought loads of jam buns and I went out to the car, got through the rest of them, got through the chicken, spicy chicken fillet, uh, roll, got through the hash browns, got through the sausage rolls, etc, etc. Got down to the jam buns, still had a bit of a hunger on me. And the first taste, I thought, this is life changing. This is going to change the way I see the world. Bit into it. And since then, I've been an addict. They're delicious. They're little packets of goodness. If you don't know about them, please do get involved. They're delicious. So today's National Jam Bond Day, which is another day to celebrate something. There's always something going on. There's Easter coming around the corner. you got to get Easter eggs and there's Lent. There's, there's Mother's Day. There's Father's Day. There's my birthday. There's all these different events happening. And it's going to get to a point where, there's, where every single day of the year, there's going to be something to be celebrated. Therefore, there'll be something to be sold. But, you know, if there's any day to be celebrated throughout the year, surely it's fucking Jam Band Day. And um, I wanted to give you a few deli secrets so that next time you're at a deli, in Ireland, you'd know when to go in there, what way to approach the counter, and how to act when you're in there as well to get the best value, the best bang for your buck. So here goes. And first of all, by the way, if, if I have any listeners from outside of Ireland, I know people from Colombia listen, I know people from Australia listen, don't know why I'm talking like that, that's the way they talk on YouTube these days. But if you're not familiar with the Irish deli, it's basically a hot and cold counter where you can walk up to someone and say, I want this, that, and the other. And you watch them doing it. And if they don't do it right, you can give them a bollocking. That's pretty much the way it works. I know they have them in America. I know they have them in garages across Europe. They're never as good. I'm just putting that out there. They're never as good. If you've got a problem with that, then email me. And we'll have a beef on the internet. But I have been to delis in America. They're good, but they're cold and... The food isn't as, you know, you don't really have, you don't really know what you're getting. You're kind of pointing at stuff. You're like, what can I get? What's that thing there? And they're like, oh, they're sausage rolls. And then you get it and it's cold. And you're like, that's not a sausage roll. If it's cold, then it's a big argument and you get barred from shops. And also, if you go across Europe, you pull into a garage and they've got like hot dogs is a big thing in Europe. 
especially in Germany and places like that, hot dogs and garages, and they're just disgusting. They don't hold a candle to the Irish deli. If you've been to an Irish deli, if you know of a good one, you'll know what I'm talking about. But some deli food secrets. Sweet times are 10 a.m. and 12.55 p.m. right afternoon. The reason why. So 10 a.m. in the morning, and this is from a man who's worked behind the curtain. I have worked in delis. I know what it's all about. I've talked with people in the industry. They've given me all their secrets. Um, a sweet time, 10 o'clock in the morning, the reason being the deli is not long open. They're preparing for the onslaught of people to come in at around 11, 12, 1 o'clock. So what they're doing is they're putting nice, they're putting in nice and fresh jambons and sausage rolls and whatnot in there. So basically, if you get in there at 10 o'clock, you're getting in before the builders, you're getting in before the mad rush of workers at 12 o'clock, half 12, 1, and you're getting all the produce that they want, but they're not there on time to get. So that's the, the reason behind the 10 a.m. The reason behind the 12.55 p.m. is because generally people take their lunch breaks at 1 p.m. in the day. Now, I know some people decide they don't like the rush or whatever, so they take their break at 12 or even half 11. I've seen people go on lunch breaks at fucking half 11. But most people go on lunch breaks at 12, at one o'clock, sorry. So what you do is you get in there at 12.55 before the mad stampede of people. You know what I'm talking about. There's a huge queue of people in suits, in luminous jackets, people who are just wandering off the streets, tourists who are confused, they don't know what they're doing there. And you wanna be in well ahead of that pack because the deli assistants have planned for these people. So therefore you have a complete, complete palette of food. The greatest palette of food you could ever choose from. I, I always say that if Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci and the boys, if they were all alive right now, that's the kind of things they'd be painting. Just a packed out deli. And it's, it's a sight to behold if you haven't seen it, looking in the window of the deli, nice and clean glass as well. The food is there. You've got the, the cold, fresh food, the, 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 the fucking tomatoes, the egg, the cheese, slices, onions, peppers, cubed, everything. And then you've got the other window, which is the warm deli window, or the hot deli, as they call it. And that's the tastier food, I believe, in, in my opinion. Some people will say, no, you get these healthy people that come in and they're like, just give me a salad, please. Get away from me. I don't want to see you around the hot deli when it's busy. Don't be around there at 10 a.m. or 12.55. You're not wanted. Okay? So go in there at those times. They're the sweet times. Get involved in the small talk is very important as well. Oh, how are you doing? How's your day going? Oh, it's grand now. Thanks for asking. Yeah? You sure it's going good? Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, great. How long is the food there? Oh, it's just been there 10 minutes. Okay, nice. Are you doing any deals? Well, we weren't thinking about, please do me a deal. Well, I'm not quite sure, please. Okay, I'll give you two hash browns for free. Bingo checkmate. And before you know it, you're walking out of the shop with 20 quid, 20 quid's worth of deli food that would normally have set you back in the region of 40 quid, but you've done a nice deal with them. Of course, we all know that haggling is uh, the cornerstone of human interaction. We need to haggle with people. You don't just walk up to the counter and say, Oh, this is chocolate bars, it's one euro. Yes, okay, here's one euro. No, no, never. Never do that. 
you've got to go up to them and say this chocolate bar is one euro give it to me for 50 cent what can't do that yes you can but no we can't because there's a barcode in the back i don't care about the barcode but no well tough luck here's 50 cent and then you leave and that's it that's how you haggle so there are the key points of deli food that will number one get you the best quality deli food number two get you the best value deli food and number three if you make friends with someone in the deli they're a friend for life ah yes the irish cuisine is uh, is very very interesting of course we have the food in france which is some of the greatest food you could ever shut try up, but uh, yes it's uh, sorry i ah, shut up so today I also wanted to talk a bit about Puchin because I encountered a bottle recently and I will not tell you where it came from but I encountered a bottle and again for those of you that do know Puchin you'll know what I'm talking about it's a bit like paint stripper for those of you that do not know Puchin, it's like Irish moonshine that they make out of potatoes, or they use potatoes to make it. It's alcohol, it can be very strong, it can go up as far as 90%. It can make you blind, so you need to be careful when you're drinking it, or making it, I should say. They call it the devil's sweat, or the water of life, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but it's usually made from potatoes. Mothers used to rub it into... Um, your gums if you had a pain in your gums when you were a child back in the those days you know the doctor wouldn't have anything for you so you'd be like fuck what am i gonna do my gums are killing me so what your mother would do is she would dip her finger into a bowl of putching and then rub that putching into your gums or if you had an earache she'd rub it below your ear or i do remember very clearly when she wanted you to go to sleep she would rub some putching onto your father's nipples, she'd say, and she'd say, suck away. And before you knew it, then you'd be out for the count. Okay, that never happened, but the idea of it was quite strange, and I thought I'd just say it anyways. But um, people would rub it into their bones, and they'd use it on cattle, and they'd use it on cows, and they'd use it on creeks that they had in their own body, and I don't know what's inside it, what's truly inside it, but whatever it was, it was doing the job. And um, one time... It's hard to come across bottles because years and years ago the British banned Irish people making putching. King Charles II, I believe, in uh, 1960, or sorry, 1661, excuse me. Um, he banned it, like he didn't, want, he didn't want Irish people drinking it. They used to ma make it out of grains and stuff, stuff like that. So small farmers rebelled against it as they do and they started making it out of potatoes. So it's very much underground stuff no two bottles are ever the same and you have to be very careful when you do make it because it can blind you there was a bottle that myself and french dose came across um from monaghan i believe this bottle and i think it was around 50 percent. you can't really tell at least with a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of vodka you can see on the bottle it says to you 40 percent. you know what you're dealing with you can pace yourself with putching you don't really know if you're coming or going so there was a time and it was myself and French toast. We're having a couple of glasses of it. And the way we had it was in a bit of warm water, put a small touch of putching and then put a couple of spoons of sugar, mix it around. And it's a lovely hot drink that gets rid of coughs and stuff like that. Also warms the cockles of your heart as well. 
And we were drinking away anyways one evening and we had a couple of glasses and we said, jeez, we'll have another one, we? And we, yeah, we'll have another one. And then we were just talking away like regular, you know, nothing nothing was of any ways importance. We weren't drunk. We know we heard all the stories about Putchin and how, you know, it can, it can make you see demons and stuff like that. But myself and French Toast were sitting there and there wasn't a bother on us until, of course, we decided to stand up. And that's when we realised that the power of our legs had gone. And this was maybe six o'clock in the morning. We realised that we'd been up all night talking to each other, very in, uh, intensely looking at each other's faces. Not in a sexual way or anything like that at all. It was just just very intense. We hadn't realised it, but the, the putching had came up, almost came in the back door, so to speak, metaphorically, and caught us off guard. And before we knew it, we could barely get to bed up the stairs. We weren't sleeping in the same bed, by the way. Um, but another interesting fact about putching is that if you drink water the next day that gets you drunk again because it whatever it does in the body it sort of flushes around the body again and uh, suffice to say you have to be very careful with it but I'll go through a couple of the steps here on how they do make putching first of all there's the malting process and you get the grain which is soaked normally in a lake or a river or sometimes they if, if you want to get a really distinctive taste of putching they'll put it in bog water and that you get this, this, the taste of the bog. I don't know if you've ever smelled turf or you've ever had peat in between your nails, but that's the kind of taste you're looking at. So the grain is then dried after that, taken out of the bog. You, you bring it back home and you dry it. Let it dry naturally. You don't be putting any kind of heat on it. So then what happens is the grain starts to germinate. The starch inside the grains turns to sugar. And that's the beginning of the, the, the process. And slowly but surely over the coming week, what you have to do is you slowly toss the grain. Just slowly, like you're making love to the grain. You just move it over slightly because you don't want to damage the grain at this point. So you're just tossing it over. You're letting the air get into all parts of it. And once you feel like it's been properly aerated, the grain, you leave it on the floor of a kiln. And that that heat of the kiln then sort of uh, dries it out completely. And then what you do is you, you mix it down into a fine powder and it's sort of like flour then you might get in the shop. Mix that then with warmed water, which has been boiled previously, but now it's been left to sit at around two room temperature. And then you add yeast and different things into a barrel. Now the barrel itself can be also mixed in with something else. You know the way you get oak barrels and different stuff. So that gives a different flavour completely. And uh, pretty much then you're left with a bottle of putching and off away with yourself to fucking have a drink. Now, again, don't take my word for that. Look up online if you're going to make it. It is illegal to make it, apparently. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe it's because there was too many potent bottles floating around. But you'll often see a man or a woman. And if you give them a proper wink and a handshake and you look at them in a certain way, they'll give you a bottle of putching. I know my father has a couple of bottles there now. I don't want to say too much about it, but you can always tell when he's on the putching because he has these big rosy cheeks and he's watching snooker or something on the TV and you know that the snooker is boring as fuck, but he's loving it. And sometimes you ask yourself, why, why is he enjoying watching these two lads playing snooker when there's no one in the crowd? The referee looks like he wants to fall asleep and yet there's my father sitting on the couch fucking rubbing his hands together with the excitement of watching two lads playing snooker. And then you say to yourself, well, hang on a second. I must be missing something here. Maybe he's on cocaine or maybe he's 
after putting a pill up his arse. And then you look down and you see that holy bottle, the water of life, Puchin. Now, I wanted to uh, talk about my favourite TV show from the 90s. You might have a different show completely. I'm sure you do, because this show that I liked, I'm actually embarrassed and cringing at the idea of even telling you this. But I'm going to go ahead and be honest about it anyways. Um, Dawson's Creek. Does anyone remember that show? I just look back at it now and I think, fuck it, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Enjoying the likes of James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes talking absolute shite together on a TV show that was set in Northern California. And it was a good show. I want to say it there to you. It was around the time where I was just beginning to understand what it meant to date someone and to to meet a partner and you know you'd think to yourself wow I wonder what it'd be like to be in love with someone and no one had ever told me up to that point what it felt like to meet a woman where you wanted to tell her about your hopes and dreams for the future and you know maybe just maybe you could fall in love together or who knows what could happen maybe even start a family and have kids together but nobody had kids in Dawson's Creek it turns out it was a terrible show Joey Potter who was Katie Holmes that's that's who Katie Holmes plays that was her breakthrough role and basically the story was Dawson and Joey go through adolescence together and that was pretty much the height of it this was Katie Holmes by the way this was her big break this show led on to her meeting up with Tom Cruise so you can put that whatever way you want James Vanderbeek who played Dawson who uh who was the main fella in the show he didn't really do much else he had different series that he was in but they were all shite Pacey Witters I forget his real name but uh, Joshua Jackson maybe or something like that no relation to fucking good old Michael Jackson who's who's a massive paedophile but um, Pacey Witters was a good actor in it he was sort of the alter ego or the anti-hero I should say of Dawson he was everything Dawson wanted to be he was a bit of a bad boy. He didn't really care about what people thought about him. And he was rough around the edges. Whereas Dawson always wanted to, con- to control everything. You know, he wanted to have life in a linear line where he could get married when he was younger, have a family, get a nice job for himself, have a big house, have a dog in the back that you only fed dog food to and had a perfect life. But sometimes life doesn't go like that. In fact, it never does. So Pacey was sort of like the the wild rambunctious side of your personality Dawson was the boring fuck it I want to start a family at 15 kind of side of your personality and the theme tune was I don't want to wait for my life to be over I want to know right now can it be that was the theme tune that really made a lot of money for the the people that wrote that song that song was originally about a woman whose I think husband went to war and uh, she wanted to take a chance Take a chance and get out there. Set in North Carolina, as I said, Katie Holmes had her first on-screen kiss, and that was pretty much the top and bottom of it. The reason why I was so into that show was, at the time I was meant to be doing my junior cert, and uh, I had more interest now in watching Dawson and Joey kissing than I did looking at fucking algebra. And that just says a lot about algebra. Either that or it says a lot about me not being good at school. But um, I regret it. I regret it, but you know what? I'm trying to be honest here. I'm trying to wear my heart in my sleeve. I could have easily said Saved by the Bell, where AC Slater and the boys who used to be high school cool dudes knocking around, poor old Screech, God rest his soul, and you had Mr. Belding and everybody else, but 
no, I've gone for Dawson's Creek. So please let me know what your favourite TV show was. It could be anything from Jake and the Fat Man to Sabrina the Teenage Witch, all the way as far over as Sister Sister or Blossom or Beverly Hills 90210 or Around the Twist. Could be any of these TV shows. I'd love to know. So please do let me know in the comments what your favourite TV show was. This is Correspondence, your voice voicing your opinion. Now I got a question sent in to me this week. Very simple email, and again I won't give their name away. But the question simply was, what do I think about ghosting? And um, I didn't really know so much about it to be honest. All I thought about ghosting was that it was Casper, or haunted houses and stuff like that. But there's another kind of ghosting that happens these days and basically what it is is the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication and they give an example i thought ghosting was a horrible dating habit reserved for casual flings don't know why they give that example but anyways the person asked me what do i think about ghosting well nowadays we're more connected than ever yeah, if you just have to look at your WhatsApp to see all the messages that you probably have in there. If not their Instagram, if not their your your regular phone book, if not their Facebook, and then you have Tinder and all the dating sites on top of all that. And what's more, what's more important than all that is your own family, which you have to keep in touch with, and your friends as well that you've known from maybe the beginning of your life if, if these are your best friends or people that you're close to. So there's all these different people that we have to stay connected to all the time now and it's very tough to stay in touch with everyone it's actually overwhelming because you know if you want to talk to someone without the small talk it takes a bit of dedication sometimes you've got to really think about the conversation so the fact that we're so connected now has almost watered down a lot of friendships and a lot of relationships i think but the whole idea with ghosting i think maybe it comes from people who just don't want to step up to the plate and say listen i don't want to see you anymore don't want to hang out with you thank you for your time but i'm going to head off because humans don't we don't really want to do that to each other it's a bit cold to do that to someone you feel bad you don't want to make someone feel bad by saying to them will you ever fuck off i don't want to talk to you anymore it's too it's too much but at the same time somebody might be waiting for a text message back at least or a phone call or even a even a fucking some sort of response you know on whatsapp or a dating site or wherever so when you're ghosting someone in a way you're kind of putting them in a state of limbo where they don't know if they're coming or going but how do we get around this because again we're so we're hyper connected to so many people that you couldn't be going around to everyone saying sorry I'll, i'll have to let you go anyways chat to you in a few years everyone will think you're a rude bastard so there's it's a it's a fucking tough one so it is but at the very least if you've shared the bed with someone and you've met love to them or you, even if you just kiss them or it's, it's someone you've been close to for a few years don't ghost them let them know what's happening step up to the plate say to them listen i don't know if this is working out or i'm going to be busy for the next few months and i'm guilty of this too we're all guilty of it no one's pointing fingers around here, okay? We're all a bit guilty of it. Because again, we get overwhelmed, we just don't have the time, or maybe sometimes we just, we chicken out. Um, but, 
probably a better thing to just say to someone. This, this is my opinion in ghosting anyway. But it's probably better just to come clean to someone and say, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't have the time to hang out with you or give you my attention. So I'm going to have to just uh, head off. Good luck. And then you run. Okay, you don't. You don't run. But you let them know what the situation is. And there's a lot of clarity going on there. But it's tough. It's tough to do that in the moment. You know, it's easier said than done. Studies have shown that social rejection of any kind activates the same pain pathways in the brain as physical pain meaning there's a biological link between rejection and pain. So when someone ghosts you, it's physical. You're like, where the fuck are they gone? And it's an awful bummer as well when someone ghosts you. You feel like, fuck, what have I done? What have I done? What have I said to them? Jesus Christ. Was it the way it was standing, was it? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe I need to start wearing an aftershave. Maybe I need to start wearing a nicer aftershave. Or maybe my shoes are too pointy. What's the problem with me? Start quizzing yourself. What am I not doing right? But I think the important thing to take away from ghosting is that it's not about you. So it's not personal. It doesn't mean you're a bad person if someone ghosts you. It just means that maybe the person has become overwhelmed by something. And yes, they probably should just come straight out and say, listen, I'm overwhelmed. Can, can you just, you know, I'm just going to head off now. So the, the, the person needs to step up to the plate. Me included, everyone. But at the same time, try not to take it personally because it doesn't make you a bad person. So I'm going to leave it at that. Please do let me know in the comments what you think. I could be talking out my arse. Don't know anything about this. And as well as that, don't go ahead and make that putching that I, the way I told you. Check up on Google about it, please. The only thing I talked since about tonight was Dawson's Creek. And even that, I don't know what I'm talking about. So without further ado, I will bid you a fond farewell. Have a great afternoon. Or if you hear this in the morning, have a great morning. Okay? Right? All right, good luck. Just wanted to say before I head off, thank you so much to all the people on Patreon who've been supporting this podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. It helps me continue with this podcast. And just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And uh, take care of yourselves. Really do appreciate the support. And I will see you very soon.